welcome to The Happy Writer. This is a podcast that aims to bring readers more books to enjoy and to help authors find more joy in their writing. I'm your host, Marissa Meyer. Thanks so much for joining me. This happens to be a bonus episode today, inspired by our recent listener survey in which a lot of you said that you wanted an episode in which I am the interviewee and answer some reader questions. Uh, And so I aim to please. That's what we're going to do today. This episode is going to be uh, me answering a lot of reader questions with the help of our special guest. But before we get to that, the thing that is making me happy today is my t-shirt. I am wearing a very fancy special Prince Kai fan pod t-shirt today, uh, specially branded. Um, And it is like the softest cotton, I think, of any t-shirt that I have ever owned. Um, And it was a gift from our special guest. She is a proud Ravenclaw, like (laughs) me, um, who just finished her bachelor's degree in library and information sciences. She is also the founder of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, which happens to be a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. I'm super excited to talk to her. Please welcome Bethany Finger. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Welcome. Welcome to the Happy Writer. Does it feel weird to be a guest on somebody else's podcast? A little. I've I've only been a guest a few times. Um, It's weird not doing the intros. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. It was weird for me preparing for this because obviously usually I'm the interviewer. And so I would take time to like, come up with questions and topics. And today I was like, I really just have to sign on and answer things. (laughs) Yeah. Which feels weird for, for my podcast too. It's kind of a role reversal. That makes Um, it easier when you're the guest. Yeah. True. True. (laughs) So what is the Prince Kai fan pod? Let's start there for listeners who are not aware of it. So the Prince Kai fan pod is a Marissa Meyer book club podcast. I do Uh, an episode every Monday morning about each book that you've written in chronological order. Well, no, more publishing order, I guess. Um, And I I used to have a couple of co-hosts, but COVID really switched things up. I have a different guest for every episode now and just chapter by chapter discussion of the books that you wrote. So obviously a lot of listeners uh, to (laughs) this podcast, The Happy Writer, came to this podcast because they are familiar with me and my books. Um, And I think, I I assume a lot are going to be really excited to hear about the Prince Kai fan pod. Would you recommend that someone starts from the very beginning or are there like specific episodes that if someone wanted to dive in, they should check out this one or that one? Um, We go chapter by chapter in order. There's a couple bonus episodes. Uh, we did a Cinder versus Cinderella episode after the first book finished. Oh. My sister and I did a, a Frozen 2 episode as a bonus. But I would start at the beginning because it's kind of a read-along. So the mm-hmm. first episode is chapter one of Cinder. And by the time this comes out, we'll be about to start chapter one of Cress. Okay. So we're moving right along. How long have you been doing it now? It was a year, May 19th. So just over a year. Cool. Well, I, when you and I met, what, that was in Texas, right? 
Yes. I was um, the North Texas Teen Book Festival. Okay. And that was like right before the world shut down. So that must have been yes. February, maybe, or early March, somewhere in there? I think it was um, the first weekend of March, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you you came to the event and gave me this t-shirt, which I really do love. It truly is one of my favorite <laughs> t-shirts. Um, and told me about the, the, the Prince Kai fan pod. And it was definitely one of my more like bizarre author moments to think that there's a fan pod <laughs> all about my books. How crazy is that? Um, and I'm super, super flattered and glad that you're having fun with it. And I, I hope, I know a lot of people in my listener survey mentioned it. So I know that you have a lot of fans listening. I feel very awesome. special that they mentioned it in the survey. <laughs> yeah. Lots of people. Um, yeah, truly. It was a, a good showing. Oh, I did want to ask why Prince Kai of all the characters? It was a suggestion from a friend of ours. It's kind of a play on Prince Kai fan club, uh, oh. which is sort of relevant in the first book, but not really after that. But I just loved it so much. I decided to go with it. <laughs> I've forgotten about the Prince Kai fan club. There was like an actual <laughs> newsletter at one point that I wrote for like some bonus material or something. I need to track that down. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's probably on my Pinterest board somewhere. Um, I could find it. I'll send you a link. I'm sure I could find it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, cool. I'm super excited to have you here. Thank you for for dis- for choosing to be my my interviewer for this bonus episode. Okay, you take the reins. Okay, so there are quite a few questions. I get to ask my question first, though. Very selfish of me. Um, (laughs) So my question was also submitted by several Patreon members when we had our Zoom meeting, and it is, how do you feel about someone having a podcast all about your books? (laughs) (laughs) Is it an invasion of privacy? Is it super flattering? (laughs) Oh, super flattering. Super flattering. Um... Yeah, you know, it's funny because obviously over the years I've met so many readers and I've received so much email and fan mail. And so I know, like, practically speaking, that there's a lot of people that have really connected with my books. Um, And I think that's incredible and it makes me really, really happy and feels very kind of validating in a number of ways. At the same time, it still really weirds me out to think there are people <laughs> in the world reading my books. Um, and I don't know, I kind of reached the point now where I, I feel like that's just par for the course and I'm never going to totally get over that. Uh, but it is it is strange. So like, I don't, I don't like it when people like want to come up and like talk about the book and uh <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's weird. I feel like I want to write the books and send them off into the world and then never think about them again. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. No, I love that the fan pod exists. I think that's so cool. And I think that's one of the great things about this time that we're living in and all of the technology and how people can find these communities, whether through blogs or social media or now podcasting and you can kind of find your people, which I just think is really super cool. That's one of the best things about podcasting in in general, whether you listen or you host is you get to be a part of something. You get to be a part of a community from the comfort of your own home. (laughs) Yeah. Right. For us, us introverts. (laughs) Oh, I wanted to ask, so are there going to be spoilery questions? Like, should I have a warning for people listening? Uh, yes, I suppose we should. Anyone listening, there will be spoilers. <laughs> it's okay. the first time for me. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a All lot right. of spoilers in like blooper episodes for me. <laughs> oh, I bet. I bet. It would be so hard to have a, a discussion podcast and not give spoilers. And by that, you must mean like you you talk about the ep- the, the chapters that you're on, but you don't talk about things that are still to come, correct? Yep, yep. But we do have what I call Easter eggs. Uh, There are a lot of foreshadowing hints in the books if you look for them. And so we started this, what I call Easter eggs. And in every chapter, I think the largest chapter had 19 and the shortest chapter had one, but every chapter has had at least one Easter egg. So we get to talk about that on the Patreon. That's so cool. I I mean, obviously I was aware that I was putting in little hints and foreshadowing <laughs> things, but 19 in one chapter. Good on me. That one was a big, a big chapter. The biggest one everyone overlooked was in one of the first chapters, Aiko says, you'll need a new pair of gloves for the ball. And then <laughs> Prince, Prince Kai gives her a new pair of gloves to wear to the ball. That was the biggest one everyone overlooked. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, that probably was not intentional on my part. I think that was probably just a coincidence. <laughs> it still works. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I like it. We'll just say that, yeah, that was that was me being really clever. <laughs> <laughs> so I, would, I can start asking you questions now. Sure, um, I'm ready. I should preface this. There were 319 <gasps> questions submitted. Oh my goodness. So go and look at your messages, your emails, or the comment that you left. My Patreon team and I tried to answer everyone. Um, and there's also a link in my bio on Instagram for frequently asked questions that Marissa's already given answers to. And some of the questions are answered in there as well. Oh, wow. I love that you put that much work into it. Yeah, I feel bad if not everybody's question gets asked. So I was trying really hard to make sure even if we don't ask the question on air, maybe there's an answer out there I can find for you. Yeah, I should update because I have a a frequently asked questions on my website, but that's it's been a while since it was updated. I believe that's the link I shared. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I might just kind of steal all of the work that you just did. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I hire you. (laughs) I volunteer. Um, (laughs) Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Bethany, for doing that. Absolutely. So the first question is, is Magpie going to find out that she is Nova's sister and will Nova ever find out that she's Magpie's sister? (laughs) Start with a really, really big one. (laughs) That one was asked a lot. (laughs) Most of these questions were chosen because more than one person asked them. Got it. Um, So I have not planned out what happens next in that story and in that world, um, but yes, I definitely think that they do eventually figure it out, but I have no idea at this point in time how they figure it out or what sort of turmoil that leads to. Um, I have some very, very, very vague ideas. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's one of those things I like right now, I'm not under contract to write another Renegades or Gatlin city book or series. Um, and it's not what I'm currently working on, but I did like have that epilogue and this, these hints of magpie and, and her connection to Nova largely because I wanted an entry back into the story. Um, if, and when 
I did decide to come back to it. So there, there would be room for the story to grow and hopefully readers would be really excited to, to listen or to hear what would come next. So it was intentional that there's kind of this cliffhanger uh, ending, but at this time, I don't know if or when I'll ever actually get to tell that story. So were there any challenges you faced when writing the rom-com-ish book, Instant Karma, versus the previously written sci-fi fantasy superheroes that you've written in the past? Yeah, I mean, every book has challenges, um, but I would say that Instant Karma was probably the book that came, with the exception of Ferris. Ferris is its own kind of thing as far as how quickly it came together in my head. But Instant Karma, of all of my kind of standard novels, Instant Karma just came together really easily, um, story-wise and plot-wise and character-wise. And it felt really refreshing to write it coming off of Renegades. Um, Obviously, Renegades and Lunar Chronicles both, they are big worlds and big dramas and there's huge stakes and wars and tons of battle scenes and you know just all of these like really complicated storylines whereas instant karma is a much quieter story there's a small magical element but for the most part it's a love story uh and so it just didn't require nearly as much world building Um, there's not all of these subplots kind of competing for attention. So it was a much simpler story, which is not to say that it didn't have any challenges or parts of the the book that, you know, I had to stop and figure out where to go with this storyline or that storyline. But compared to my previous books, it felt a lot uh, easier and just kind of came together a lot quicker. Yeah, I imagine there's not nearly as much research involved for something that doesn't include like sci-fi technology or previous um, stories that it was inspired by, like with Heartless and like with the Lunar Chronicles. Yeah, no, not nearly as much research for Instant Karma. I did have to research. There's a, a, so in the story, it's a, let me just quickly tell what readers, uh, (laughs) what Instant Karma is about Um, for, for people who don't know yet. Um, So yeah, it's a contemporary romance about a girl that one night goes and sings karaoke with her friends and she sings Instant Karma, We All Shine On by John Lennon. And something in that moment changes and she develops this kind of mystical power of being able to exact instant karma on the people around her. However, whenever she tries to use this power to punish this guy named Quint, uh, who she cannot stand, it ends up backfiring. Uh, And so then over the course of a summer, Prudence and Quint end up uh, both volunteering at a sea animal rescue center. And Prudence is, is trying to figure out why her powers don't work on him. And then also starting to fall in love with him. And that's the premise of the book. And so as far as research goes, like a lot of research about sea animals and sea animal rescues, which was really fun to research and kind of a lot of environmentalism themes and ecotourism. I had to do a lot of research about. So there, there's always some research involved, but yeah, like you say, not nearly to the extent as writing a, a sci-fi or um I guess Renegades kind of is a a superhero genre. So it's not really fantasy, but kind of in that same realm. 
Yeah, fantasy is one of those um, very large subgenres. Yeah, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. Yeah. If you could spend an evening with one or two of your Lunar Chronicles characters, who would it be and what would you do? Oh, I'd love to just go hang out with Eco. Um, and I don't know, go shopping and maybe just like go sit on a patio and have drinks and just, I mean, she can't drink, but (laughs) (laughs) she'd pretend she would pretend uh, (laughs) and do a marvelous job at it. Yeah. I would just, I think she would be so much fun. She was one of my favorite characters to write and I just loved her personality, loved her humor and just her like ready to conquer the world attitude that she always had. Uh, and so, yeah, I would, I would love to spend a few hours just hanging out with Eco. I have a feeling she would be a lot of fun to have a, a girl's night with. Yes, totally. Even if it's just like a, a slumber party where you braid each other's hair and watch net dramas. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, I'd love to have a slumber party with all of the Lunar Chronicles heroines. I mean, I wrote them for so long that they kind of all just feel like they're really close friends. Um, and, and I I know they're always going to be a really big part of my heart. Um, I think that when you read books, it feels that way too. Yeah. Definitely talking about them on the podcast. I feel like I know them so much better. I bet. I feel like you've probably spent more hours talking about them now than I have. (laughs) (laughs) We do spend a lot of time talking about Captain Carswell Thorne at the moment, now that he's finally into the books. He's my favorite character, so we go on lots of tangents. (laughs) No, I know. My sister just read Crest, though, so I've gotten lots of conversations about it recently. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Does Ryu the Wolf and Iko have Disney or Grimm's fairy tale counterparts? Oh, good question. Yeah, so Ryu the Wolf um, would have been uh, in Snow White, the when the huntsman takes Snow White out into the forest under the order of the queen to kill her, he's supposed to kill her and bring back her heart. Um, and in the fairy tale, he lets her go and ends up killing a deer instead um, and bringing, bringing the heart back. And so Ryu would be the deer in that situation. And then was it Iko was the other one? Yes. Um, Eco, I, so she plays kind of a couple of roles. There's the fairy godmother in Cinderella, um, which I kind of divided the fairy godmother up into partly Eco and partly Peony and partly Dr. Erland. Um, they all kind of help fill that role of kind of helping Cinder get to the ball. And also in Cinderella, so in the Grimm's and I think also the Perot version, um, Cinderella has like bird friends that help her. And, and of course, Disney, she has the little mice friends that help her. Um, and so early, early on when I was conceptualizing the book and trying to figure out how do I bring Cinderella into this science fiction genre, my, I was thinking about that and we're like, who would her helpers be who would her friends be um and my one of my earliest thoughts was oh she should have robot friends that kind of fill that role um and that became eco who turned out to be nothing like i thought she was originally going to be like um <laughs> i i sh- originally thought she was going to have a really small role i didn't at all envision her being a big part of the story 
And she was actually supposed to die. Um, or like at the end of Cinder, like Adri dismantles her and sells her off. Um, and in the original conceptualizing of the series, that was going to be it for her. And we were never going to hear from her again. Um, and then my editor actually was like, um, Marissa, you should maybe think about this. Cause I think you may have just gotten rid of one of your best characters that everyone's going to really, really love. Um, and so that made me kind of go back and think, well, what else could I do with here? And how else could I deal with this situation? And what, how could I use her going forward then into the story? Um, and that, of course, bloomed into the whole spaceship thing and the the android thing. And <laughs> she just ended up becoming one of my favorite characters. And I know it's kind of a fan favorite, too. So it was very serendipitous. It worked out really well. It did. She even got graphic novels. So. She even got her own graphic novel. <laughs> I know. Who knew? Um, <laughs> so I'm sure you get this question a lot. but. Movies or TV shows? Are we going to get any? <laughs> I want, I wish that I could be say like with a definitive yes. <laughs> um, so currently Lunar Chronicles are with uh, a studio, um, the rights have sold. This is now the third studio that has held the rights to the Lunar Chronicles. And as of when did I last hear? Maybe like four or six weeks ago, um, we heard from the studio and things are very shut down right now because of COVID, of course. Um, but they were testing out a couple of different writers, um, I think, and maybe like one producer who was interested in, in being attached, I think. So maybe <laughs> you know, um, if they do go forward, they want it to be a TV show. Well, that would be lovely. You get more time with TV shows. I know. I want it to happen so bad. Um, I've learned with Hollywood, it's it's a very strange industry. And like every time the books have sold to a studio, there's this like rush of enthusiasm and you you know, one of the studios flew me and my husband first class down yeah. to Hollywood and wined and dined us. And they're like, we're going to make this movie and it's going to be huge. And we're all so excited. And you just, you get that excitement and you get so hopeful about it. And then nothing happens. <laughs> and that's happened like every time now. And so I'm trying not to you know, I'm taking it all with a grain of salt. I'm still very optimistic. I still think that there's a huge chance that it could happen. But until it's like actually on your TV, you just don't know. Yeah, I'm hopeful. I know a lot of us are hopeful. So, but you got a really nice little trip out of it, it sounds. So that's good. Oh, no, it was so cool. And yeah, zero regrets. And like one of my my coolest, I can't believe this is my life memories. So. I have family in that part of the world. So I, I frequent that area and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love Disneyland. <laughs> See, I'm more, I'm more a Knott's Berry Farm girl. <laughs> oh gosh. I haven't been there since I was a kid. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's magical in a different way. <laughs> yeah. I remember we went there. So I think I was in sixth grade when we did our family trip. Um, and it, we went like in the middle of September. So school had just started again and all of the parks were really empty and Knoxbury farm had zero lines. And so we could just go and get on any ride that we wanted at any time. And it was like, we had the park to ourselves. It was so cool. 
yeah, we always go in um, late September, early October for that reason. So every time I go to a park, I'm, I'm trying to schedule it around when they won't be super busy. Yeah, no, that's the way to do it if you can. Uh, so the next question is, which relationship was the easiest to write about and why? Um, in Lunar Chronicles specifically? Any of them. Any of them. What relationship was the easy? Was it the easiest, right? Yes. The easiest to write and why? Um, huh. <laughs> we stumped you. Yeah. I know. I mean, they all, they all had challenges and, and parts of them that, you know, made it difficult, but then they were also all really fun to write. And I love the romances. And that's, that's like my favorite part of writing is writing the romance aspects. Um, yeah. I mean, it seems like not, this isn't maybe fair because you guys haven't read it yet, but instant karma, the, the romance between Prudence and Quint was just like nothing but fun. It's my first, uh, hate to love romance. And so like, I got to do all the banter and, like where they're at each other's throats all the time, but then show them slowly learning about each other and growing closer together. And I just loved that. Uh, and, and it, it didn't feel like a struggle, like, like so many of them. <laughs> um, but I said that in a good way. Uh, yeah, I don't, I've really, I don't know. I, they've all, I've really loved writing all of the romances. I don't know that one of them felt particularly easy compared to the others though. They're all special in their own way. They are. They are. And I feel like I can't write a romance until I also can feel myself falling in love with these characters so that I can kind of understand what it is that each character is seeing in the other one. Um, And so by the time I'm writing their story and, you know, hopefully getting to the point where they're finally going to confess their feelings or have that epic kiss, then I'm just like so invested um, and I get, I end up feeling that way about all of them. That's so great. <laughs> so how do you organize your own books and who are your favorite authors? Uh, organize as in like the books on my bookshelf? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, so I have my TBR shelves um, that obviously have not been read yet. I have a poetry shelf and a classics shelf, a graphic novels, um, a shelf for fairy tales and Alice in Wonderland, because that just kind of ended up on that shelf. Um, (laughs) And then I have all of my YA, which is not really organized at all. I just find a place and throw the books on there when I finish them. Um, And then a nonfiction section and my writing books and, and nonfiction craft books. Um, so yeah, so those are the shelves that I have on my bookshelf. Um, and what was the other question? Who are your favorite authors? Oh, my favorite authors. Oh my gosh. So many. Oh, Lee Bardugo, Lainey Taylor, Robin Lefevers. Um, growing up, Lewis Sacker was one of my all time faves or Sekar. I'm not actually sure how you pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> RL Stein was really, really influential. Uh, yeah. And who else? I mean, there's so, so many. I love Lish McBride. I love Caleb Rarig. Um, Julie Kagawa. Yeah. I'm 
So many. That's like the question. Let me just like read down the list. <laughs> um, if you had to read one book for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Mm. Could be yours or could be anyone else's. Well, it definitely wouldn't be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Authors don't usually feel that way about their own books. <laughs> um, one book, Pride and Prejudice. Oh, I love Pride and Prejudice. I do too. I do too. And it's it's my comfort book. And I'm not It's your make a, you happy book. It is my make me happy book. No, 100%. Yeah. And I'm not much of a rereader generally. I almost never read a book more than once. Um, but I think I've read Pride and Prejudice four times, um, which is a record for me. <laughs> so, and, and I'm actually gearing up. I'd love to reread it again this year because it's been a while now. And my heart wells up every time he says I was in the middle before it had begun. I know. Um, I know. So good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, when will instant karma be available in the UK? Oh, um, well, so usually my books have a delay between coming out in the U S and coming out in the UK, but with instant karma, um, it's going to be different because it's actually my U S publisher is going to be distributing to the UK this time, as opposed to having like a separate UK publisher for the book. So I think that they're going to be releasing them simultaneously and it will be out uh, on November 3rd, like it is in the US. I think, I don't know that for sure, but, but I, that's my guess. We all hope so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Me too. I hate that there's a delay. <laughs> If one of your books could be adapted into a musical, which book would you most want it to be? Oh, Heartless. Yeah? 100%. I, that's like one of my big dreams is for Heartless to become a musical. Um, Such a good one. It's, uh, well, thank you. Um, I was really, really inspired by Wicked by Gregory Maguire. Um, was, was one of the big influences for writing Heartless. And of course it became a musical and it is in fact my favorite musical. Wicked. <laughs> I love it. And there's really early on in the show, there's this moment where Glinda comes like out of the rafters on this big hoop that's supposed to be like her, her bubble that she floats around in. Um, and it's a great like stage moment. And when I was writing Heartless, um, the first time you see Jest in the ballroom and he's hanging um, or, or swinging on this hoop like an acrobat. And that was, I think, very much inspired by that moment in the Wicked musical. And so ever since, I've just really wanted to see that. And I just think it'd be really beautiful and special. I think so, too. I didn't realize that that moment was connected to Wicked. And now I feel like, how did I overlook that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not obvious, I don't think, um, but but just kind of one of those those visual moments that really stuck with me. Does Torin have a family? He does not, um, which is one of the things that I might change if I were to ever go back and rewrite it. Yeah, and and largely the reason being that I or my my reason for making that decision was that he was at the castle all the time. Um, and I didn't want to have to try to balance like this, what would be a realistic storyline where he actually has a life. Um, <laughs> what's happening in the story. Um, and, and so I ended up 
just deciding that no, he's devoted his life to the royal family and doesn't have time um, for you know for a family and. So that's what we went with. But now, but I almost kind of feel like I did an injustice to him in hindsight. Uh, yeah. So I might change it if I ever went back to change it, which I won't. But yeah, now you guys know I have. Some- <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we talked about it on an episode of the podcast and we kind of fabricated this whole world where Torin was young and engaged and he lost his fiance to the plague. And so now he's just married to the job. <laughs> Oh, what a sad story. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he's so dedicated to work. Yeah. No, he he's definitely a workaholic. How do you feel about writing a short story about the infamous soap revolution? Are you familiar with the soap revolution? Uh, as in when Thorne was in prison? Yes. That's but that's Instagram. Soap <laughs> When coronavirus hit, there was a huge swing on Instagram for Thorne to start another soap revolution. People even made actual bars of soap and distributed them to random people. <laughs> what? So there's a question of if you would, you know, COVID-128, would you write another one where Captain Carswell Thorne did another soap revolution in support of the COVID-128? <laughs> That's hysterical. I wish that I had known about that because I so would have worked that into the plot of COVID-128. That would have been awesome. Um, Yeah, so I'm sorry. What's the question? (laughs) How would you feel about writing a short story about that? Oh, well, I Missed opportunity. Yeah, missed (laughs) opportunity. I wish that that I had back when I was writing that story. Um, Yeah, probably not going to... (laughs) (laughs) kind of a lot on my plate right now. Um, but that's hysterical. So is the, is the idea that Thorne is producing soap? Like, is he now a soap manufacturer? (laughs) The idea is that he becomes like an entrepreneur soap and then he does really weird names for all of his soaps. Yeah, no, I can so see that. (laughs) That's very on character. So I think, I think there was one that was like Captain's Musk. (laughs) <laughs> awesome you guys are the best I love my <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that one um when does COVID-128 take place is it after the graphic novels and is it after Scarlet and Wolf's wedding okay good question I knew that when I was writing it uh, <laughs> well it takes place in the year 128 um so, gosh, I don't, I could, I could go back and find out and email you off the top of my head. I don't remember what I ended up deciding. Okay. If you do email me, I'll, I'll announce it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down. I know that I did 128 because that's the year, which is two years after Cinder. Um, so that would have been after the graphic novels, which are like a year after winter. Um, but yeah, I don't remember where it was going to fall as far as the wedding. We will wait in anticipation. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, last question. What was Kai's childhood like? Um, good question. I mean, there would have been a lot of 
tutors um, and a lot of schooling and education, uh, raising him to be a world leader. Um, So lots of diplomacy, lots of history. But I think that he, you know, he would have wouldn't have had a ton of freedoms necessarily because there would have been a lot of expectations on his shoulder from um, from the beginning. But at the same time, like, I don't, I think that he had a really loving father. I think that a lot of the people in the palace would have been very um, friendly toward him. I don't see him as being particularly lonely growing up. Um, but I think that he would have known from the time that he was really little that um, there were expectations on him and his behavior. And he was the type of person that would have wanted to live up to those expectations. I think he does a good job of that. I do too. I do too. We talked a lot in those chapters in Cinder about how his personality went kind of 180 as soon as he had to actually do a press conference. <laughs> <laughs> so in Cinder, he's really calm. And then when he, when he speaks, it's, it's torrent inspiration coming out. <laughs> yeah. So that was my last question for you. Oh my goodness. Cool. Unless you want more, I have more. <laughs> oh, this is your show. <laughs> um, so the other question was, did Kai have any girlfriends or love interests before he met Cinder? Um, I know in, in my, if I were to go back and look at my character notes, he would have had, I don't know if you, a girlfriend, he would have had a girl that he liked and that I think he kissed at one point. Um, but I don't know that it ever became like a big thing. Um, and I don't really remember what I decided as far as why that didn't work out. Um, I think a lot of it is that he had so many responsibilities that he wouldn't have been focused so much on girls and romance, um, until of course he met Cinder. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he, he is a teenage guy. So clearly he, I think that it's likely to think (laughs) that he would have been looking around the castle and seeing, you know, just the people there and and maybe making eyes at some girls at some different points. But I I don't believe that he ever had anything serious. So Cinder's the first love, which is always great. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a trope that I do so often. Um, And I love, I love the, the first love trope. Um, And I, as a grown up, there's a part of me that always feels like, is this really realistic that all of them fall in love (laughs) and it's happily ever after and they're the ones um, which in real life, of course, I think that it's natural and healthy to, you know, date a few different people and, and figure out what it really is that you need and want in a person. But in fiction, I just really love that idea of, of meeting the one and, and it being right. I like that idea too. My husband and I are kind of high school sweethearts. So mm-hmm. I love the idea of just picking one and, and saying that one, I'm going to have that one. I'm done now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think that there's something to, when you find the one, they're the one, like sometimes it happens in high school. Uh, and sometimes it doesn't happen until much, much later. But I know when I met my husband, there was no question, um, that he was the one for me. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> How do you feel about don't get glamour? Do you know what that is? No, but it sounds like that murder podcast, like the. It's actually inspired by a Twilight podcast where at the end they say, don't get bitten. 
So I started at the end of our podcast. We say, don't get glamored until next time. Don't get glamored. And right now everybody's trying to think of fun ones for heartless. And um, we already thought of one for instant karma, but we don't have one yet for heartless or for the renegade series. Okay. What's the instant karma one? Don't mess with prudence. (laughs) Cute. (laughs) Um, Hmm. Are you going to do fairest and stars above also as part of your podcast? Yes. Yes. Everything you've ever written. We're even going to do COVID 128. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, um, yeah. What would you do? I mean, don't get your head cut off. Oh. Like, don't lose your head would be a good don't one. Don't lose your head. Yeah. Um, for renegades. Huh. I know we had someone say don't get neutralized, but we can't use that until one of the later books. So we need something in the beginning. Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> we have a few years. You're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't be a villain. Maybe. <laughs> hmm. I do like don't get neutralized though. I do too. We just won't be able to use it for the first few. Uh, it'll be a while before we get to use it. So we need something like a placeholder. Yeah. 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 What's the, I'm trying to remember one cannot be brave. Who be has brave no without fear. No fear. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really work for anything, does it? <laughs> yeah. Until next time, be brave, I guess. Yeah. We could do or that. Do you, there's also the, the, do you have what it takes? <gasps> I like that. Okay. Do done. What it takes? Yes. That one. I got really excited. So clearly that works. <laughs> yeah. I like that one. The don't get glamored kind of came in the middle of an episode we were talking and I just was like, yeah, we would just say like, cause one of my friends loves that. Uh, one of my former co-hosts, Becca loves that murder podcast. Um, so we, uh, that kind of just came when we were having a conversation. I was like, we could say, don't get glamored. That would be fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's cute. I like it. I'm trying to think, is it stay sexy and don't get murdered? I think is the- I think I haven't listened to that podcast, um, no, but I do I, believe I, that is what yeah. they say at the end. Yeah. It's I probably the most famous podcast really ever. It. I know. I know. <laughs> I, it's funny. I actually, and oh my gosh, I hope this doesn't turn anybody off. Um, but I did start, <laughs> like, I listened to the, started listening to the very first episode because I love true crime and I'd heard so many people say how much they loved this. And in the very first episode, they're talking about a really famous murder there was like a had a documentary about it and they started poking fun of a theory as to what happened that I like am convinced that this is actually what happened and the two posts <laughs> were like this is ridiculous that people believe this and so that was like okay I'm done <laughs> which is probably not fair <laughs> my my favorite uh true crime podcast is called unsolved murders and they uh do scenes where they act it out kind of like an old radio show with like um, sound effects and music and voice actors. And it's a really good one to listen to. Oh, cool. That sounds great. But all nonfiction? All nonfiction. It's all true crimes. Oh, and they're cool. all unsolved crimes. Yeah. No, that sounds fascinating. It's really good. I like it. Um, <laughs> I think that was all the questions I had for you. Cool. Out of 300 and 17 or whatever you were able to boil it down. (laughs) 
we did my I I really have to thank my Patreon team. They helped me a lot trying to figure out all the answers to some of the questions. So we, some of the questions we were like, I know that answer is in the universe. We just have to find it. Yeah, so. no kidding. I've done <laughs> so many interviews and I'm sure I probably contradict myself at different points. <laughs> so tell so let's tell people where they can find you and the fan pod if for people who want to go listen. So Prince Kai Fan Pod is everywhere. You can, uh, we have a website. We're on Instagram at Prince Kai Fan Pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google. I have a, a Facebook page that no one pays attention to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Twitter, which I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I hope that people will go listen and relive the Lunar Chronicles with you. How fun. Yes. We're about to start Crest, which is very exciting because it's my favorite book, but I'm told it's most people's favorite books. So it it's is. Be a big I, would one. Say it's, I would say it's, yeah, the, the winner as far as favorites go. <laughs> Mostly I think just because of Captain Thorne. <laughs> People just really like he's, Captain Thorne. <laughs> he's definitely my favorite character. Uh, and then Cresswell is, is, has my whole heart. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. well, thank you. I'm so happy. Yep. Well, thank you very much for doing this, Bethany. Thank you so much for having me. This is a very surreal dream come true. <laughs> Good luck with the podcast. Um, and yeah, well, I'll be whenever, if ever you want me to come on and answer more questions or anything, you just let me know. That would be wonderful. Awesome. Readers, check out the Prince Kai fan pod from um, anywhere you listen to podcasts, as as Bethany said. And you can subscribe to this podcast so that you can always be in the know about new episodes. And you can find me on Instagram at Marissa Meyer Author and at Happy Writer Podcast. Until next time, stay healthy and cozy out there in your bunkers. And whatever life throws at you today, I do hope that now you're feeling a little bit happier. Mm-hmm.